0: Thank you, Christine. We're going to turn to Proverbs, chapter 3. I'm going to revisit this part of this chapter, Proverbs 3, and verses 1 to 10. So Proverbs 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favour and high esteem in the sight of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. And depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honour the Lord with your possessions and with the firstfruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Let's just pray again, shall we? Lord, as we come to your word, we are very conscious of our great need for your enlightening and for your spirit to help us. And so, Lord God, would you open our eyes to see the things that you want us to see and hear the things that you want us to hear tonight as we come with expectation, wanting to hear from you. Thank you for being with us thus far. Thank you for the time that we've had of worshipping you, praising you and centering our thoughts on you. Lord, that's what worship is. It's turning our gaze to you and what we responding to what we see by faith. And it's you we see in all of your glory and honour, your majesty, your holiness, your purity. And Lord, we thank you that we can respond in worship and praise. So Lord, help us to continue with that worshipful attitude as we turn to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think guidance must be one of the most difficult things that uh, Christians struggle with. Um, We're often faced with decisions, uh, choices to make. Why should I do this? Where should I go? What's the right choice? What's the decision that I should take? And it doesn't always seem clear what God's will is, if we're honest. Sometimes it's hard to discern between God's will and our will, we get mixed up, don't we? What, what is God's will? What is our will? I mean, I'm an expert in guidance when it comes to helping others. <laughs> when it affects me, that's another problem altogether. It, it's not always easy to distinguish between what's God, what, what is God's idea and what is our ideas. There's one thing that we can say about guidance, and it's this, that God's will is that we should know his will. It's God's will that we should know his will. So Ephesians 5, let's just start there. Just We're going to go back to Proverbs, but just one verse. Ephesians 5 and uh, verse 17 says this. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So God wants us to understand the will of God. It's God's will that we should be guided by him and that we should know his will. So guidance, is, it's not meant to be a complicated thing. It's not meant to be a deep mystery. It is God's will that we should be guided. So how do we discern God's will safely and securely? Well, Solomon gives us some really important principles here. King Solomon in Proverbs 3, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Solomon, we've learned in this series on Proverbs, he was famous for his Proverbs, famous for his wisdom do you know how many proverbs solomon wrote we're actually told you don't need to turn to this but 1 kings 4:29 says uh, and god gave solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore verse 32 he spoke 3000 proverbs and his songs were 1005 so he was prolific 3000 proverbs A 1,005 songs he wrote, and of the 3,000 proverbs, many are recorded for us in in, in this book of proverbs. And I would say that, I don't know whether you'd agree with me, I think the most famous, if that's the right word, familiar proverb, or one of the most familiar, is in that passage that we read. I'd suggest it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Maybe it's because it's one that I have learned a long time ago, and so it's so familiar with me, but it is so well known, isn't it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And that is a fantastic promise about God's guidance. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. Now, I was thinking that there is a danger in looking at something that's so familiar. Because, well, it's so familiar. A man went to prison, and on his prison block, there were lots of prisoners, and and they'd been there for so long that they'd got to hear everybody's stories and everybody's jokes. And so they worked out a number system. So one would call out 35, and they'd all laugh. And then another would call out 15, and they'd all laugh. And uh, another would call out 34, and... Place was in uproar, so this new prisoner he he thought to himself, "Well, I want to join in here. This is great fun." So he called out seventeen, and nobody laughed. He thought to himself, "I wonder what's happened." He called out twenty-one, dead silence. So he said to the man sharing his cell, "Well, why is that?" He said, "They laughed at everybody else's, but why didn't they laugh at mine?" His cellmate said, "It's the way you tell them." (laughs) The danger is, we do become very familiar with stuff we become so well it's we know that we we can pass over it <clears throat> we do need to watch out for that when we come to scriptures like this this is one of the most beautiful promises that we need to learn to lean on and rely on and appropriate in every area of our lives so here are four clear lessons in this scripture in this these few verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, about guidance, simple principles. The first is this, we need to believe God, God, we need to believe God wants to guide every part of our life. Believe God wants to guide every part of our life. In other words, guidance is, is, it's not just for the Big decisions, the major decisions, it really is. God wants to guide us in every little decision, every part of our lives. Verse 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall what? Direct your paths. What does it mean, direct your paths? It literally means he will make your paths straight. Okay, so um, the NIV, I think, translates it like this, that in all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And it was a way of saying, God is going before you and he's preparing the way and he's making a straight path. So if you're driving in your car along a road, someone has gone before you to make that path, that road, and prepared that road, as a straight road even if there's a bend in it all right it's 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 it's, somebody's gone ahead of you to prepare it to make that path straight they've gone before they've put the hard work in they've prepared it they've designed it they've worked at it and now you can walk and drive along that safely because somebody's gone ahead to make that path straight to prepare the way for you so this this promise is a wonderful promise to those who trust god that there is a highway for them to walk on, to to run on, or whatever it is, to, di- to be directed along, if you like, a highway of grace or highway of God's goodness, God's love. And that means every step of the way, there's a highway for us to step in, step by step. God has planned his way, planned our way. He's made a way for us to travel on. And we sing one of the songs, uh, one of our songs, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see, he will make a way for me. By a roadway in the wilderness, he'll lead me. And rivers in the desert will I see. Christine's chosen. I don't, did, did you know I was going to preach on this? Christine? No? Um, well, she's chosen a song which has those words in it um, to, for us to finish with. Um, you are my anchor. Teach me your way, Lord. Make straight the path before me. Do not forsake me. My hope is in you. As I walk through life, I'm confident I will see your goodness with every step. so that's a promise for those who trust God that God actually has gone before us, so when we whenever we whatever situation we're in, however tough it may seem, we can trust him that actually he is he's made the way straight, all right it might seem crooked and pathway and bendy and r- rough and Lots of stuff we go through. But the thought is that God's gone before and he's prepared it for us to walk in as we trust in him. So when there seems to be no way, God's made a way already. And what we need to do is walk in obedience to him, close to him. We'll come to that in a moment. So when things are unclear or confusing, when things seem dark, hopeless, bleak, when we can't work things out, When there seems to be no answer, when there are no obvious solutions, when we face difficult decisions, when there's more than one choice and we're flummoxed, the promise is that as we trust in God, God will oversee and guide us as we walk close to him. He'll direct our paths. So, first of all, believe God wants to guide every part of our life. Secondly, beware of our limited understanding. Beware of our limited understanding. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now, in my way I think of these things, first of all, I think, well, what what doesn't that mean? What isn't that saying? I don't believe it's saying, when it says, don't lean on your own understanding, I don't think it's saying, don't use your minds, don't think through things, don't weigh things up. Don't leave your, your intellect behind. God's given us those things to work through. We need to, read, we, we need to learn from experience. We need to listen to what people say. and there's all, there's all sorts of ways in which God helps us to make decisions. We, we need to guard I suppose this is a generalization, but we need to guard against over-spiritualizing guidance. I've heard of people who've gone way over the top on this whole issue of seeking God's will to such an extent that every minute decision almost becomes an agony decision of does God want me to do this or does God not want me to do this? Like the lady who agonized over whether to have carrots or cauliflower for dinner. She didn't know which was God's will. Another man's house caught fire but he didn't call the fire brigade because he didn't feel led of the spirit to do so so he watched as his house burnt down another man was led of god never to wash it may have been god's will not for him to wash but certainly not for me to sit next to him there's there's <laughs> that's like religious mania isn't it but that, i mean those are sort of trivial examples but there's a serious side to it i remember reading martin Lloyd jones book prove all things he gives the example of Evan Roberts, if you know the name. But Evan Roberts was a young man who God wonderfully used in revival, bringing revival in the Welsh Revival, 1904, 1905, Welsh Revival. But as, as he, and he was known for his being spirit-led, but as he developed in his ministry, he became overly zealous. And uh, he aired too much towards that and so th- there were times when it- it- he wouldn't do anything unless he had this leading of the spirit to such an extent that for example if he was appointed you know he was called on often to preach but at these meetings he'd just sit there and he wouldn't speak a word because god hadn't told him to speak even though The meeting had been announced. The people were there. The congregation were there. He was there. But he wouldn't speak because he didn't have the leading of the spirit. And so they left without him speaking. And uh, eventually he had a nervous breakdown. Mental nervous breakdown. This is what Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote about this. God forbid that I should say that we should discount everything that appears to be a personal leading. That is just to quench the spirit. No, it can happen. But beware lest the devil should come and press you so far in that direction that you ultimately become guilty of fanaticism in such a way that you will not do anything without a leading of the Spirit. So so when it comes to guidance and seeking God's will, God wants us to use our minds. God wants us to think things through, weigh things up. It's been said, uh, if you've heard this phrase, guidance should be spiritually natural and naturally spiritual. God, guidance should be spiritually natural and naturally spiritual. For example, Spurgeon once said that if God calls a young man to be a preacher, he'll give him big lungs. Because in those days, without amplification, if you couldn't make yourself heard, you wouldn't be a preacher. That was just common sense. So if you can't relate to children and you're allergic to them or you, the, no, the, the no. Make you, <laughs> you want to run away from them, it's unlikely that God will call you to teach them in a Sunday school. That's just common sense. But, and this is the big but, verse 3 says this, we are to beware of relying on our understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We're not to depend on our understanding. We're not to trust in that and rely on that. Because why? We've got limited understanding. And we're fallen. And sin gets, distorts our thinking sometimes. Verse 7 goes on to say, Proverbs 3 verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. I remember, listening to a message, I'm sorry, reading a message by Bill Bygroves, um, and um, not Max. Bill, Bill Bygroves, and Bill wrote in the Evangelicals Now about this verse, and this is what he said: Never, never, never trust your judgment in anything. It's not saying don't use your judgment, but don't trust your judgment. Even when common sense says that the course is right, believer, first of all, lift up your heart to God. For the path of faith and the path of blessing may be in the direction completely opposite to that which you call common sense. Refer everything to the tribunal of heaven, and that is the only way to outmatch the devil. That's why God's word says, lean not on your own understanding." So he's not saying don't use our minds, but don't rely on it, don't rely on that, because of our limited and frail grasp of things. Thinking of Abraham, you know, Abraham and Lot, when Abraham came to choose where to go, natural understanding, logic, reasoning said that he, as the senior member of the household, the father of the household would decide where to go with his herds when they came to split up. But actually, he did what was illogical. And he gave the decision over to his nephew. He said, you choose. That was unthinkable in those days. We, wouldn't, that was, we, we, we forget how strange that was. That was illogical. Because God had different ways. And God used that, didn't he, to, to keep Abraham from Sodom. And uh, from disaster. Has anybody seen uh, the film with Tom Cruise in called Minority Report? That's two of us. (laughs) I've seen it a number of times. I like it. It's a great film. Let me tell you about this film. Tom Cruise kidnaps, in this film, one of the precogs. Now, for the unlearned, a precog, there were three precogs. These were people who had the gift of having premonitions of what was going to happen in the future. So Tom Cruise kidnapped one of these precogs, obviously. This precog didn't see it happening, but anyway. So so they, they could predict the future, and they could predict future crimes. So that the police could arrest people before they committed the crimes. And then they'd be sentenced for the crimes that they would have committed if they hadn't been arrested. Have you got it? Keep up. Sorry, sorry. it's quite clear. So Tom Cruise kidnaps Agatha, one of the precogs. And uh, they're in a shopping mall and they're trying to flee from the police. The the, the, The place is swarming with police. And it looks as though they're about to be captured because there are so many police. And so this is what happens. They pass a man who's on the floor. He's begging, sat on the floor. And the precog tells Tom Cruise to stop to drop some coins around the beggar, which he does. And then a few moments later, the police come charging through the door, and they fall over the beggar who is scrambling on the floor for those coins. And then as they're crossing the wide open space of this uh, big market, the mall, the precog tells Tom to stop and buy an umbrella. So he does. And then as the two of them are about to run across the hall, the precog tells Tom, Cruz, to wait and wait and wait and then run. And just as at that moment, as they run across the mall, a child stops a balloon seller to buy a balloon and all the balloons he's holding block the line of the vision of the police who are looking down from the balcony above. Just at the very moment that Tom Cruise and the precog run across the hall. And so they run out of the mall and it's pouring down with rain. So guess what? They put up their umbrella. And the police who from the top look down and all they see is a sea of umbrellas. So they can't see who it is. It's great. I'd love a precog by the side of me. It'd be great, you know. Just telling me exactly what's going to happen over the next three minutes or two minutes. But, obviously, our trust <laughs> isn't in precogs, but it is in a God who knows everything. He's he, he, A God who knows the future. God who's planned everything. He knows everything. He sees everything. So, I'd be a fool not to trust in that God, who knows everything, who has all things under his control, and instead put my trust in my own very limited perspective, my picture. Because I don't see the picture. I just see a little small part. And so it's wonderful, isn't it? We can trust a God who has all these things in his view. And he knows the beginning from the end. So I can trust him knowing that he's in control. D.L. Moody once said, Trust in yourself, you are doomed to disappointment. Trust in your friends, and they will die and leave you. a bit negative isn't it i don't know trust in money and you may have it taken from you trust in your reputation and some slanderous tongue may blast it but trust in god and you are never to be confounded in time or eternity psalm 118 uh, verse 8 and 9 says this it is better to trust in the lord than to put confidence in man it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. So, believe God wants to guide every part of our life. Secondly, beware of our limited understanding. Thirdly, be wholly committed to God as we trust in him. Be wholly committed to trust, to God as we trust in him. Verse 5, 3:5 five says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and it's obvious isn't it but it's trust in the Lord not in our thoughts not in our understanding not in our feelings or our, under, or our circumstances all of those things fluctuate trust in the Lord it's very important isn't it for, for us to do that because there are times when everything's great you know there are times aren't there when everything goes well and, you, and your, your prayers are answered you know you're going into Morrison's car park you pray for a spot to park and there it is God comes out everything works well pray for someone's health they're healed we ask God to save someone they're saved we pray for something God answers our prayers quickly there are other times when nothing seems to work and it feels as though God's a million miles away not listening to our prayers you pray for people to get saved Nothing seems to happen. You pray for the same parking spot. And just as you're about to go in, somebody else draws in before you. It didn't work. It didn't always work like that. It's not like a slot machine. Put in a coin and out comes the answer. When that happens, we are stripped down from trusting anything else but God. God's character. If I stop trusting God when things are going badly, it means I don't know God. I cannot know God well. Because God never changes. His love never changes. His character doesn't, doesn't deviate in any way. Some people think when things go wrong, wrong that they can't trust God anymore. How many people have left the church, left their faith, because things have gone wrong? But what that really shows is that they haven't really got to know God for who he is. God is our heavenly father. The word trust in Hebrew means to put all your weight on something. Or on someone. So trust in the Lord means to lean wholly upon God. And it means I need to learn how to rely on him. In light and in dark. Commit the whole weight of all that I am and all that the future holds, all that I need into his care. Cast all your cares upon him, for so he cares for you. We need to absolutely be confident of God's care. Trust in him with all your heart, every part of your heart. Because you either give him all your trust or none at all. Someone has said, half-hearted trust is like whole... How-, can't say it. Half-hearted trust is like whole hearted doubt. Half hearted trust. Is like whole hearted doubt. You know you, you can't put half your weight. On something. On someone. When you sat there. It's either everything or nothing. And we're to lean all of our. Weight on God. Trust in him with all your heart. Trust in him with every aspect of our life. There's nothing that God isn't interested in. In everything you do, make sure God is involved in it. So we need to be wholly committed to God as we trust in him. That, of course, means trusting in his word, doesn't it? Because how does God guide? Well, he does guide through circumstances. He guides through advice that people give. He guides through different ways. Sometimes he will speak to us, maybe outside of his word. I think there are different ways. But primarily, God uses his word to speak to us so wholehearted trust being whole wholly committed to god means we trust in god we need to keep reading the word of god god's you know how how many times have has god spoken to you in your regular quiet time in your regular readings it's not I, i think we have to be careful don't we it doesn't mean that god you know you say somebody's thinking about what to do at school and what should I study in? You're not going to find a verse that says, Thou shalt study maths, physics and zoology, or something like that. If you're applying for a job, maybe it's with British Rail, you're not going to find a verse in Exodus. You know, Moses caught the train up Mount Sinai, or something like that. It, it just does not happen like that. But God does speak to our spirit through his word. We, we know that. We, we, when you're reading, you just you, you, you know, when, you just know. You, sometimes you might feel your heart quicker or you 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 just know that God's speaking through that verse through that passage it's wonderful to know and hear when God speaks like that and he will speak to us when we need it as we regularly give ourselves to God's word and then fourthly and this is a very short word uh, point and lastly be willing to obey him So believe, one, believe God wants to guide you in every part of your life. Two, beware of your limited understanding. Three, be wholly committed to God as you trust in him. Four, be willing to obey him. Verse six, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. The NIV has, in all your ways, submit to him. So if I want to be guided by God, I need to be willing to walk with him in obedience. God is not going to be show, God will not show me new light if I'm not walking in the light I already have. We need to walk with him in every area, walk close to him, seek to be near him and trust him and then in obedience, as we're obediently walking with him, then we can trust him to give us new light we need to be surrendered to him and to his will believe God wants to guide you in every part of your life beware of your limited understanding be wholly committed to God as you trust in him and be willing to obey him and as you do that and as we do that the promise is there isn't it he will guide you he will direct your paths He will direct your path. He'll make straight your way. He will go before you. And it'll be a a highway of love and grace and certainty and confidence. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the way that you do guide us. I thank you, Lord, that each one of us has a story to tell of your faithfulness. Even when we've not been faithful to you, you have been good and faithful to us. And so, Lord, I pray, help us to learn more and more how to wait on you. We want, Lord, to give you all the opportunities to lead our path, lead us in our path, and to direct us. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. Help us not to be anxious in times of difficulty, hardship, perplexity, confusion. Teach us, Lord, not to be in a hurry in these things. When it comes to seeking your will, Lord, help us to walk patiently with you in the light that we have. I pray for those, Lord, in our fellowship, maybe here, maybe not here, who, who, Lord, are facing Well, hard times or difficult times. And Lord, there are questions in their minds. Lord, help them to prove your word. Remind them that they can trust in you with all of their heart. Help them not to lean to their own understanding. Help them not to always be figuring things out. But Lord, to commit everything to you. And to commit wholeheartedly their whole selves to your goodness your grace your love your power you're all omniscience every part of you lord it's so dependable help them to put and help us to put our whole weight upon you in every circumstance and so father thank you and lord teach us as well lord not just to think about these things in the big areas of life but every day lord we want to walk with you we want to be led by you We want, Lord, to hear that voice saying, go to the left or go to the right. Lord, uh, maybe a voice of correction. But, Lord, we, we want to hear you. Help us to be faithful in your word and regularly reading and praying, and looking to you, walking with you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Christine.